mystery and horror, the air itself is filled with monsters. Children of the night, what music they make. Well, hello, all you monster fiends, and thank you for joining us for another deep dive, factoid-filled episode exploring Hollywood's most famous monsters. However, today is slightly different, but we will get into that in a second. I am your master of ceremonies, Sam, and I am joined as always by Dan from Bleeding Marvelous. Say hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. Hi. Oh, that's a big wave. Big waves. Um. So yes. Today is slightly different. It's a, I loved how you put it on your post earlier. It's a episode within an episode. It's Inception episode. Yeah. Inception episode. Inception. 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 Yeah, I like that. It's an Inception. And it, it, it's basically an episode within an episode. Um, we're doing an off spin. So this week is not a monster. We're not focusing on a monster. We are doing the man behind the monster Ooh. and that would be the great master himself tom savini who you, who you can see very very nicely placed behind dan's head right there <laughs> so i'll get the disclaimer out the way away and then we'll crack on with this week's episode so everything discussed in today's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone if you'd like to discuss anything from today's episode please come and join us in the comment section and we can have an open discussion what we won't have is anyone coming for us and telling us our opinions are wrong we can all agree to disagree in fandom so let's keep it fun keep it kind and keep the toxic behavior out of nerdism Ta-da. 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 So, 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 so. Thomas Vincent Savini, born November 3rd, 1946, is an American prosthetic makeup artist. He's known for his groundbreaking work in the world of monster makeup. He is a makeup artist, an actor, a stuntman, owns his own school, is a director. The man wears many hats. So come and join us for our first man behind the makeup. With the wizard, Tom Savini. Da, da, da. I feel like, yeah, I was going to say, it feels like there should be an evil laugh. Like, or some a, sort like, of little... <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of Vincent Price laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So this is actually going to be part one of two. Part one of two. So we are going to give you an introduction of how what we know of Tom. We're going to talk to you about his movies, only leading up to, and this is just including his makeup work, not his acting work, leading up to 1980. And then part two, we will start again afterwards. Yeah. Yeah? Talk about all the, the fun stuffs. Yeah. So this is what you need to know in order to know the fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) some of this is kind of fun it depends how your morbid sensibilities are with some of the facts but still (laughs) that is true so we'll talk about the man himself if nobody knows him he is literally what i said in the intro actor stuntman 
makeup artist, director. Vietnam veteran. Yeah, let's just add that. Yes, he yeah. certainly is. Um, so, yes, he's a man of many, many talents um, who I found out today was actually the love affair of makeup started at the young age of 12. And who was his influence? <laughs> hmm. The egged eyeball man himself. Yep, absolutely. The man we've covered before and we have mass respect for, Lon Chaney. He even named his child Lon. His child then named his child Chaney. <laughs> <laughs> I see what they did there. I thought that was genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so heavily influenced by Lon Chaney. And universal monsters as a whole but lon was the because of the makeup that's where the love affair started mm. which i thought was amazing yeah he watched he went to the what they used to have like they used to pay like a quarter to go to the cinema all day and mm -hmm. um he went there one day and they had like uh the cartoons man of a, in the morning yeah and a and then, man of a thousand faces and there was something else on that day but he remembers watching a man of a thousand faces and walking out of there thinking I can do that. I yeah. want to do that. I <laughs> yeah. need to do that. You know? It wasn't a case of I like I want to do that. It's like, no, I can do that. And I'm gonna do that. <laughs> and that's what I want to do. And I don't care how I get the money to do it, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> but um, it was stealing his mother's bloody makeup, poor woman, I'd be furious. <laughs> he tried um because he was the youngest of five or six I want to say I think it was five he mm -hmm. had three older brothers and an older sister and he was the youngest by 13 years to his sister so there was a big age gap in that in yeah. that respect um he, one of his brothers was a world-class tattooist one of his brothers was a uh bodybuilder mm -hmm. another one of his brothers he doesn't really talk about very much but his sister he holds in highest regard because he said that she was the one who brought him up like a mother she yeah. was the one who babysit him she was the one who took him to the cinema she was the one who you find that him. You, you find that in that in that like ear genre like because what he's 75 now i think he's around that now yeah yeah um so you do find that in that in like ear genre like parents like they fucking had to work so all the siblings became kind of their responsibility but at 12, 13, he was feral. Feral child, feral little Italian child, go out on the streets, you know, <laughs> with all the other little Italian children down the park, off you trot. You down know. the park. <laughs> <laughs> there was, apparently, right near his school, he used to go to, a, like, what we would call a, I don't know what it's called in today's terms, but in my terms, it was like an infant's junior school kind of thing. Um, Primary his, school. That's the one. It was infants and juniors because I'm old. But, yeah, it was... <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> <laughs> but yeah we had uh they, but his school was called the immaculate conception wow uh, yeah and uh <laughs> his parents never sent any of his brothers or sisters to this um roman catholic school even though they're heavy italian proper mm -hmm. like he said he didn't speak english for what he thinks was about the first seven or eight years of his life he only spoke italian wow um, but he had to learn english to go to school um, so he was brought up, obviously, in the household and they were all talking Italian all the time, even though they were living in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He just always spoke Italian. Um, 
<laughs> and his school was around the corner and there was a big field across big massive playing field across the road so he he was in quite a nice little catchment area for for like he could go in the park and be a normal kid and play in the park or he could go to the ice cream store around the corner or you know and at the age of 10 or 11 they were just allowed out on their child as long as they came back when it got dark it didn't matter you know but that's Different how times. i grew up <laughs> Same. like i lived on a block that literally is just goes like that and within that block i have a grand i have grandparents and auntie and my mum and dad like that we they had the block covered as long as i came in when i was meant to all was good i never we, we never moved from that street same as tom savini he still lives in the same house today as the house his parents bought when he first that, uh, was born so. i didn't i knew he lived in the same street i generally didn't know it was that but you know what his house is called go on terramania yeah because <laughs> <laughs> he had a um he did a like a, a haunted house thing for about eight years mm -hmm. that he also called terramania that was like um, a yeah. um like a fright house that you could walk around and stuff like that which i found quite interesting never knew about that yeah if you want if you want to see tom savini's house and i highly recommend you want to see tom savini's house there is an amazing youtube couple called the grim life collective yeah i've followed them for years they are they're a lovely couple and um, very respectable the videos Jess that they michael, do I think Jess is, and michael yeah. yeah incredibly respectful of subject matters that they do and like famous graves that they go to some of them are quite notorious ones and they got the opportunity to go to tom savini's school that's what they thought they were doing mm -hmm. and he was like oh just come to my house it's just down there and yeah they got to do a whole tour interview him in his home that man he is not shy he will show you everything yes and it is honestly it is a collector's dream the worst part about tom savini is if he doesn't have it he will just simply make it mm -hmm. it's as simple as that which then leads us to a marvelous segue of a video that we mm -hmm. have to show you that mm -hmm. kind of it fits but it was done around i want to say two or three years ago um I tend to every year at the end of every year to say thank you to everybody on the page for following and um you know just sticking with us. I tend to get like um someone I've had Doug Jones, I've had um Candyman. Yeah, Tony Todd, I've had Bill Mosley and Tom Savini do a videos. Now the cameo videos, yeah, I'm not even pretending that I'm ringing them up saying, Hello, do me a favor. Yeah. No, yes. I paid for it. I'm not I'm not <laughs> <laughs> friends with these people um, damn it you could have gotten away with that one <laughs> i'm not i'm not having someone call me out on that when the big words of cameo is down the bottom of the bloody video but yeah um but i like to say thank you and the best way i, I know how is to do something that i know a lot of people love which like is hear something now they think this video was about 50 60 quid i think and it because it was mid pandemic I don't think he had much to do and it was one of those things where he was working on his own stuff so it was uh way more than I'd actually bargained for as you'll see I honestly thought it would just be a little interview like well not interview but him saying you know thank yeah, you everybody for following mm -hmm. and that was it but you'll see in the video what you get for your money with Tom Savini for sure 
Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Hi, Danielle. It's Tom Savini. And allow me to um, thank how many people have followed Bleeding Marvelous by filling up their eyeballs with some horror stuff. I'm here in my backyard with some of my friends. Well, the creature, he's back there all the time. Okay, we got to walk through some snow here. We're going to go through my gym first. But there's monsters in the gym, at least aliens. There's one over there. <clears throat> That's his brother. Okay, in my studio, I spent most of the lockdown back here with my friends. Oh, here's Fluffy that I sculpted a few years ago. And I'm 74. I've been collecting for a long, long time. Oh, I, I, I created a... Uh, Vincent Price House of Wax Head. I've never seen anybody do one, but I did one because I found this fabulous hat. And I got to refurbish my Dr. Tongue and my gorilla. He's part of a gorilla suit. I added more hair to him. And, you know, somebody wears this. But uh, let me turn the remote control on. Oh. Okay. I'm able to make his mouth open and close, and his eyes blink and look around. Okay, let me unplug him. <clears throat> I don't want to wear out the battery. Anyway, so I'm back here with all my friends, and oh, if you've seen Dust Till Dawn, this is my head that George Clooney rips off, and then Juliette Lewis shoots me in the eyeball with an arrow. That's Reagan. Her head spins, but she's not plugged in right now. Sometimes I collect my action figures life-size, like the alien over here and the predator. That's the entrance to the garage. You can see it's surrounded by famous monsters. Here's some more of the collection. And I even have bodies on the ceiling. There's Wilson. This guy here is from Day of the Dead. This is Greg Nicotero after they skinned him in Disney's Gross Anatomy. Here's some beforehand. Okay, what do I know about you? Danielle is a girl. Dan, thanks for coming and booking this on Cameo. <clears throat> and again, this little tour was a thank you to everyone that has followed Bleeding Marvelous, and they hope to see you at a convention next year. If I see you at a convention next year, remind me that we did this. Okay? So that, that was it. Um, that's quite a collection. Quite sure. a collection. His garden alone. His garden alone. The I think, creature. I think that's the one that's now in the school, because if you watch Jess and Mike's video, mm -hmm. they go past a creature in one of the cabinets when he's walking through the um the halls and i was like that that one the one he has in his garden is only there was only a couple made of that one Mich michelin pitt who owns um is it vixen voodoo oh my god she has an amazing um clothing line it's vintage it's like vintage with horror twists in yes it. i know yeah you mean Mich now. michelin yeah. pitt she <laughs> has one um because if you want to go and check her youtube channel out you can see her unboxing it and holy fucking shit 
<laughs> I would have had so, a heart attack and died if someone bought me that and, and I was unboxing it and then I put it in the corner just, of my house. It's just a crate, like a huge crate. It's it's madness. Um, but yeah, um, wow. <laughs> I mean, the but, fact that you see Fluffy there, um, and one thing that he does kind of allude to is Greg Nicotero pinned to the ceiling yes. in, the, in, my, in my little video. And they show Greg in pieces, as in, like, is I think, like, mid-autopsy. And the other one was him completely skinned, I think. Mm -hmm. But they were attached to a ceiling. <laughs> but I never realised until doing the researches how long Tom and Greg have been... Friends. Like, yeah. best of buds. Because uh, I've met Greg on a few occasions and not because I paid to meet him because he came up to the stall because he used to do Walker Stalker convention quite a lot yeah um and we were always there and he hated you could tell he hates conventions <laughs> he's like a grumpy old guy that you don't mind him being grumpy yeah if you get what I mean so, oh absolutely I can imagine yeah. that from him he came up to the stall and uh, I think we had we were one of the very few horror stalls there everybody else was just selling pure walking dead at the time mm -hmm. um we did have some don't get me wrong but we were selling all other horror stuff and he came along and it was like i did the makeup for that i did the makeup for that <laughs> i did the makeup for that and i was standing there going i i know you know and you're just like mm. and he stood and he had a massive chat with us once and then the next year he came back and he went hi guys and then he had another chat with us and he remembers our friends leslie and dave and they were there with us once he came over and had another chat with them and it, he is one of the most personable people but you can tell like i remember saying something along the lines of you look tidy when i just don't want to be here <laughs> I, was like, I can get that i get that greg it's fine it was one of the conventions i always wanted to go to and it was like probably it was in the proper hype days of yeah. walking dead and they don't do it anymore do they no he shafted long story he asked i'm gonna put the allegedly in there but the 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 owner um shafted a lot of people out of a lot of money um and he got too big too quickly and he he owes lots of money to a lot of people internationally wow so, yeah yeah you're not you're not working in the convention scene again really no but he's doing GoFundMe's because he adopts children now from other countries and um needs to Beat find them. homes oh honest to it's 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 a whole thing all you have to do is google um you know the the stalker convention and it will bring you up news articles left right and center yeah it, it's a Jesus. it was a lot yeah so now you mentioned um greg nicotero in his in the video he did for jess and michael um because he goes it, it was just, it's so casual like it's so casual the way he's like oh yes and greg nicotero is just he comes in and he does some classes and uh, oh yes and we've had doug bradley come before and it's <laughs> he's just like he's so fucking blase about everything but it's his love for dick smith and george romero dick smith. when you see well, him george, talking about them it's it's almost like he couldn't he went and and there's george yeah and i know that's not a passage like oh that's just george like that's a i can't do this right now that's yeah. george well george he owes george as and he says in his autobiography how much he owes george because he pestered george for years to get on the first film to get on dawn of the dead or day of the dead was day of the dead the first one night of the living dead there's so many i forget which which don't come for me i forget which one's in which yes. order 
Negative eleven dead. On top of that, it's ten past nine at night when we're recording this. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is full of cotton wool. Um, <laughs> yeah, he he pestered him to get onto that film, and uh, he he said he had to drop out because his wife was pregnant and they needed money. So he decided to join the army. He got drafted. And then he got drafted because he thought he was going to be doing six months in an army camp in mm-hmm. um, in America. And then he thought he'd drop out or get out. He just needed enough money to provide for his wife and his child at the time. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, then he got drafted to Vietnam for an entire year. Yes. And he but said, when, yeah. It was photography he did. Yes. So he ended up being classed as... Um, like the version of MI5, like he yeah. was Secret Service when mm-hmm. he went over. Um, he thought it was going to be all like taking photos of tanks driving past and lovely. Like, like um, a war correspondent, like yeah, looking for, because if you look at war correspondents from World War Two, um, one of my favourites, Vivian Lee. Oh my God, please don't attack me, Michaela, if I got that wrong. I have seen this woman's work in life, in real life. Um she used to do she's very famous for sitting in hitler's bathtub naked i know that i know what you mean i know the story but i, I don't yeah. know her name yeah she in, in that i think that won her like a really big prize but that's what she used to do she used to do like photography like scenery yeah that's, that's not what he did <laughs> no the poor sod ended up being um tasked to photo the uh, unalived bodies of the Viet Cong. Um, and how yes. they died and the circumstances leading up to it. Not necessarily like a crime scene tech, but someone in the respect of that could document the aftermath of set twos that they had whilst they were yeah. in Vietnam. And um But oof. this is this is it. I was reading earlier and, and I want to say I've heard it, I've read it. Because I have actually read the starting point use autobiography, as I was telling yeah. you earlier in the week. I do own it, but my Kindle is broken, so I can't actually get to it. But it's where he learned anatomy. Yeah. It's it's crazy, but the reason he is as good as he is is because of that experience he had, and that really helped with his PTSD when he came home. Like, he put his worst fears into work. Yeah. He's, I've skipped forwarded a bit, uh, forwarded? That's not even a word. I've skipped forward a bit there. But yeah, when he was a lot younger, when I think he said he was about 14 or 15, he went to, because the cinema thing was a big thing for him. He loved going to the pictures and watching uh, films. And there was a touring, um, like, acting trope troop that came through. And mm-hmm. um, one of them played the monster one was like um the wolf man another one was the creature and they they dress themselves up and uh, they pick a kid or a person out of the audience every night to become dracula and they whisk him out do his makeup put him in a cape and then send him out for the show and he really wanted to be picked so he went every night until they picked him and uh when they finally picked him the lady took him out of the audience and like showed him the the makeup that they had smothered him in white paint he said i've got my own fangs and i've got my own cape because he bought them with him um and so she said that's good right off you go and then she set him in this little area and she said right you've got to jump out when this happens and we want you to scare everybody and uh he said 
he waited for the opportune moment because he, he he said he felt like a magician that day because he understood then the art of distraction because he was yeah. watching the audience watch the monster and the wolfman mm -hmm. so he snuck out with the cape over his head like being all dark in the corner mm -hmm. and then just went rah and he scared the shit out of all the kids in the audience to the extent that they asked him to come back and be part of the troupe until they moved on to their oh. another destination but at that point he they had a hearse they used to drive around in this troop as well and you're looking at this is the 50s mm -hmm. right so it's now people would go ah that's them back then it would be like bloody hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Go away>. you know <laughs> so, and he said he loved every second of it and he learned so much from the the guys that were in the trope um the troops that... should i say um to the extent that the guy who was the ringmaster storyteller kind of guy vouched for him and got him um, a full membership to the Magic Castle in LA. Ooh. So Tom Savini is a full member of the Magic Castle now. There's not very many still alive who are there. I know that's a, probably a big lie. Um, Neil Patrick Harris is part of it's like a big circle thing, isn't it? Yeah, um, the building is just off the back of Man's groman's chinese theater on mm -hmm. you've got hollywood boulevard and uh the road behind it you've got the magic castle in the back and it, it looks like a, a set it just looks like someone's put up some boards to make it look like a castle but <laughs> it actually is a castle and it's got all like rooms in it where you can get lost and someone died in there didn't they got stuck in the walls and they found yeah. it like a long time um, like whether that's true or not or that's one of the maybe it's the urban myth yeah. <laughs> Um, but it does go to explain like that story is you know his experience in Vietnam it ex it explains everything when the makeup starts to kick off but there was one story he told Jess and Michael that I just absolutely loved and it was the duck <laughs> no, story yeah. the duck story so he was there would it was like friend one night friendly fire went off when it wasn't meant to um, I could be completely butchering this story. Something, only something tripped one of the mines and set yeah. up a flare. Yeah. And then the, it just started fire everywhere. Like everyone started shooting everywhere. And apparently you weren't meant to do that. Yeah, but that, ring. Yeah. And he got called into the higher ups to answer as to why it happened. And he had to explain that it was a duck that set <laughs> off this trap that started this fire like firing of guns which wasn't meant to happen he got pulled into some form of duty the next night but on that night where he would have been got attacked and people who he was with got killed yeah. if he had been there he would have been one of them so he always classes that a duck saved his life and he's never eaten duck since yeah <laughs> I thought when I when I read that I was like, well, oh, I completely get where you're coming from there. I think you know, from the way you described it um, in his autobiography, <laughs> it was very, it's pretty much bang on. But he just set the scene, and it was like really horrific sounding the way he said it in the book. And it was like they used to the Viet Cong used to sneak in and turn the um, claymores around so that if they tripped them they would hit the yeah the cabins they were in mm -hmm. so what they started to do was to paint glow in the dark paint on the back of the claymores so they knew if it was shining towards them 
it was facing the right way. Right. And he was saying that these little cabin things they were in, two would stay awake and they were down in the pit and two would sleep up in the, like on the second floor, which sounds bizarre way around for me, but that's what he yeah. said. And um, yeah, he was saying that this setup was standard setup and they would be like within sort of 100 metres, there'd be one every 100 metres or so down the down the line. And if they needed to fire their gun, they had to ring the, the main guy who was in one of these things. Then he had to ring back into the compound. Then the guy had to come out and say, yeah, all right, then you can shoot. Well, by the time they've done that, they'd probably be dead anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what's, what was that, that game you used to play as a kid? Like um, Telephone, was it, or something like that, where you'd ring, ring and, and just uh, by the time it got there, like I said, everybody would have been bloody dead. So it's a good job it was only a duck. Sorry, I just read one of my notes and it was something you said literally word for word earlier and it took us back. I was, I was like, Dan's just said that. <laughs> what did I say? What have I done? It was about Dick Smith. All <laughs> oh, right, how he loves them so much. Yeah, how he loves them. Yes. But the duck story really like, it's so like it's nothing it's a nothing like like obviously it's very important to him yeah but to do with like if you want to know about his work you're not going to learn it from that duck story but it just goes to show you the type of person he is like he does he's so like he's so lit i can't like explain it enough when you watch michael and jess's uh, I will link it down below as well i will make sure it's there because it, it deserves to be watched it is a fantastic video of just pure, like, them are in awe because they can't believe this is actually, like, going on. They just thought they were going to a school. Yeah. Then they're standing in front of his house with his cats. And <laughs> he can't even, when he's talking about these cats, he can't even just say, oh, this is Max and I can't remember what the other one's called. Um he can't even he can't just say their names he has to tell them yeah these were kittens that were abandoned and i took them in they were like literally fetuses they were like days old and that and then it's like you just he just can't, but it's he's just so you, you don't care because yeah. he's so lovely and he, his voice is like you could just sit there and like oh yeah and and next <laughs> well there's this story in his autobiography that makes me laugh and it says the whole chapter is called google says i am a dick and that's the name of the chapter. <laughs> and basically he goes on about how he was at a convention once and um, he was, he'd been signing and signing and signing. And the guy that was with him, either his promoter, his manager, his somebody was with him. And he was on the phone behind him and he was talking to some other guy on the phone and he kept saying to Tom, do you want to talk to him? Do you want to talk to him? Now he was in the middle of signing a, a, a photo for a lady and the and as he said he was signing this photo he said to the guy behind him i don't want to talk and left it at that like and the lady thought he was talking to her so she threw the photo back in his face and then started a blog and a podcast about how much of a dick tom Savini is in real life and he was oh. like it was just cross wires he said i tried to find her he said i walked around that convention center afterwards trying to find the woman to apologize and give her the photo and and say it wasn't what it, you heard and he, wow what yeah. a bitch i mean to go Don't full you dare on ruin tom but to go full on and start a full podcast on how <laughs> <much of a laughs> dick he is that's some that's some dedication you know it's something like oh like, <laughs> like <laughs> episode one 
Tom Savini's a dick. Episode two, he's still a dick. Episode three, <laughs> things haven't changed. No. <laughs> and I haven't met him since, and he's still a dick. And he's still a dick. Um, I only know snippets of him leading up to, and I do know that I have got a list of his films he did makeup wise before the big one. So, and the first one was, uh, depends where you are in the world, but Dead of Night or Death Dream. Yeah, that was the first Death Dream's one. the way I know it, yeah. When you look at the film, now it's very hard to find, it's very hard to find information on makeup artists in films. If you, ty- yes. if you, if you type in, like, Dead of Night makeup, you're just going to get Tom Savini did it. That's what you're going to get. You're not going to get any breakdown of... Tom Savini did this, did that. This is his process. Da, da, da. So it's unless you are watching, as I have learned today, and making of, you're not going to find a great bit of detail out of it. So you really got to look at the film yourself to yeah. think this is what could have possibly been done. That's well, in saying anyway. that, I was listening to a podcast on the way home, um, The Thing with Two Heads, which is Sean Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had Tom on, on and they were interviewing Tom. And he was basically saying something similar, like how he, as Jess and Mike allude to in the video, he's got videotapes from everything he's ever done. He will video all the backstage processes, uh, how he sets the makeup up, um, like hijinks behind any of the the gags that he sets up with the the blood squibs and all that. Mm -hmm. So he knows like everything is documented. And he was talking about it again. And he was like, I'm sure I gave a load of footage to, to um, one of the guys for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, he said I gave him a load of backstage footage for that with Bill in it and everything. Mm-hmm. He said so, and then Sean was like, "Hang on a minute, I've got the new release." He trundled off. You don't obviously you hear it, you don't see it. And Sean gets the new release DVD and he brings it back and he's like, "There's no specials on here, Tom. It is literally just the movie." And he's like, "But I gave him all my stuff. I don't mm. know why it's not on that." So he's got endless amount of footage that you could literally anybody like i'm not just talking about his school patron like the kids that Mm -hmm. go to his school but that would be worth its weight in gold getting that stuff so he has it on he has them on videos and he shows you the box of videos but he does say i've converted all of these they're on a computer they are the safe basically but if we can just talk about your school for a second Holy fucking shit, the achievements that have come out of that school is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, these people go into one of, you are getting fucking taught by the master. There's no other way to look at it. Like, I love Rick Baker, Venial, for different, like, Rick Baker for obviously different reasons to Venial. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love yeah. them car- them people, them artists, but him, he, he fucking invented half the shit. Um, and you've got his teams who were going on. Obviously, some of them have gone on to face off, which is the mm-hmm. makeup competition. But then you've got the Avengers. You've got Deadpool. Mm-hmm. You've got the, uh, the list literally like goes on and on. Yeah. That is literally the two pictures I could pick out of the um, images I saw today of the achievements of his school was the Avengers. Because <laughs> the Avengers was the big one. It was got, um, yeah. Infinity War. I've got a list here. Guardians of the Galaxy, Shape yep. of Water, Walking Dead, obviously, because of the great connection, I yep. imagine. 
uh, Westworld, the TV series, yes. Stranger Things, Z Nation, Mindhunter. Now that in itself is a feat of absolute genius to anybody mm -hmm. that's seen Mindhunter, and you can see how they turned those people into those serial killers. Edmund Kemper, the and guy who played him, son of Sam, oh, David Charlie Manson. But looking at the guys that played them, to how they look, how well they did it. Bergowitz never stood out for us, only because I kind of stand the fucker in rate, like the actual yeah. person. Um, Charlie was impressive. It was Edmund Kemper. That was the one that was eerily. Like, when I go on deep dives on true crime, Edmund Kemper is up there with the, the man is so fucking fascinating. Yeah. Like, ridiculous. Like, he's too fucking intelligent for this world. Like but he's the, he was the guy from the Umbrella Academy that played him, wasn't he? Yes, um, it was. Her, and holy shit, did the number that they did on him to get him to look to get the, the look has to come for the characteristics to follow. It has mm -hmm. to. And if you go back and watch that, and then watch the interview with Edmund Edmund Kemper, because that motherfucker liked to talk, like he would. That's why he, would, he does audio books. Yes, <laughs> so. because he loves to talk. He's very honest. That's part of his problem. He doesn't fit into a stereotypical serial killer because he's actually not ashamed of what he did. Said it, He's always said that if he got released, he'd do it again. Like, there's no qualms about it. This yeah. is, he is intentionally evil. But he knows he's in the best place for himself because yes. he knows that if he was to go out... He's had parole, meet, happen, parole um, board meetings where he's went, I'm not going and I'm not getting out either. Like... He's, he's already said, put us to death. There's honestly no point in, like, you know, dragging it on. Just do it. Like, I I will. If I got out, I'd do it again. It's as simple as that. Um, and I know what should work on that TV show was just... was just perfection. I did not know. I didn't see that one come up, but the Westworld one I did. I remember hearing the that one. Star Trek. Um, you say the X-Men movies he's done as well. They've done as well. Um, Infinity War won awards. Endgame, I think it was Endgame they did, um, but they could have done Infinity as well. No, it might um, have been Endgame. I just, I just saw Avengers and the poster pop up. And then I think, for some reason, and don't ask me why. Uh, well, I'm guessing uh, WWE WrestleMania <laughs> has been brought up. It's probably on the got list. something to do with the Triple H. Yeah. Now, obviously, a lot of people know or they don't know. Tom has done a lot of mask work, um, yeah. and I'm not talking about like full um, prosthetic masks or latex masks. I'm talking about Corey Taylor's uh, from Slipknot. Yes, mask. there's the most. Is it the most recent one? The... I think it's either the the one that's just gone, the the most recent or the one that's just gone. I can't remember. I think it's. This I can't. One. I don't know what he's wearing right now. But I do know when they released the last album, it's kind of like a white pulled back face. That's yeah. Savini's. Yeah. And then um, he released a load of COVID friendly masks um, over lockdown that he would sign. And I can't remember what character they were based on, whether it was either the black phone or it was because um, he did he did the mask for that as well. Um, oh my god, I did not know that. You yeah. just made me fall in love with that film even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. And uh that was the thing. I, I mean, obviously I don't want to get into it too much because we'll cover that later, yeah. but uh Ethan Hawke was absolutely in awe because you could separate the two halves. So he didn't realise it was something he thought he was gonna have a full on like yeah. mask. 
but then when he, he was told he he would be he'd have to emote because he could have either half right on. people scrap yeah. that from your memory bank because that will come <laughs> up in part two <laughs> don't worry i've got a lot more where that came from but wow uh, yeah he 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 does have a very like he's also responsible for kane hodder's masking don't no don't because there's nothing wrong with that mask and we will get into that later on we also will but my point is like i'm trying to show people he's not just prosthetics he does make like he does do mask work and he does do full latex mask work Mm -hmm. but some of um nora uh who went to his school that actually won face off one season i don't know which season it was um she was at uh spooky empire in 2018 which is the one time we went over to america um to orlando to spooky empire and she did some she made up uh, a guy the the guy who played dr satan from house of a thousand corpses she made him up again for the photo shoots so rob had a, a photo with dr satan made up by nora for that one <laughs> that one face off that is fucking incredible and uh yeah it was a very because i'd not long watched that season and i remember because rob's never been he was never really into watching it i just absolutely love it i will sit yeah. there and watch it on repeat i, I was, don't care i was obsessed like ridiculously obsessed and it was the first season do you remember kate gage yeah i remember but, most of them like roy was one of my favorites well, gage monster <laughs> went on he is huge he yeah. is massive in the world of makeup right now and my god that he deserves all of it but you know how i know him la inc mm. he went on the cat von d show in la inc and he got an elvira tattoo and the second i clocked him on face off that was it i was like and when john rivers died he put a post up and i was like i am i was two days away from seeing her at my local theatre and she has passed like I'm devastated I'm never good like we waited two years for these tickets to go and see Joan Rivers and she passed away two days before we were meant to see her and oh it was devastating he sent me a private message to to pass on his condolences (laughs) (laughs) he's so lovely and I've been such a huge supporter of his like not just because of that message but because the makeup he does he's He's into all the big Hollywood movies now. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to watch. And I think if you've never seen the TV show, when we talk about face-off, we're not talking about Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. And literally taking the face-off. And there's no face-off. We're not doing that, no. This is a special effects makeup competition in the style of X Factor style, you know, where... It's the it's, basic concept of RuPaul's Drag Race, America's Next Top Model, and <laughs> everything you can think Project of Runway. That is horrific that. about reality television. It's but it's there. prosthetic makeup, which is the reason why I watch it because I mm-hmm. hate those kind of TV shows. And I can yeah. guarantee you, behind the scenes, it's just as bullshit as Miami Inc. as as um, uh, all of the horrific reality yeah. competitions that's, that's kind of like reality tv based like you know the producers are in there you're going because of drama ink master that's another one um fuck yeah i, I got very <laughs> obsessed with that me too um and i've got very close to getting tattooed by kelly doty on many many of occasions and Don't she is us. coming to the uk in, at some point but, i think but you're going to her but her, so. boyf- her boyfriend lives in edinburgh what so yeah so kelly and paul he's, he's one of you lot he's 
one of you Northerners. Paul, off off so, me. I did not yeah. know that. I did not know that. Or did I know he's, that? No, I didn't. His but name's know... Paul Vander Johnson. He actually tattoos. He's done a couple of tattoos. Fucking on Rob. hell! Do you know how I know that? Because <laughs> Rob told us. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, him and Kelly. Uh, Rob uh, told partners. us at Newcastle <laughs> when but, I saw yeah. he was there. I'm very tempted, very tempted to go get tattooed by Kelly. On it's been one of those like moments we're where we were in Salem. We were in Salem, and she we were supposed to go out for dinner with her and Paul, and then uh, she wasn't well because she was. Long story short, she was going through some. Uh, she was having an operation, and mm. if you see her now, she looks fantastic. Oh, yeah, she's, yeah, but she always looked fantastic. She always did, that though. Always, she's um, amazing. But I think a lot of it was through the trope of um, when she was on Angels. There was a lot of pressure on her to that look like Ryan, been... to look like well, Nikki. Yeah, so. and yeah, and I'm really glad that I, I don't. I, I think just she stood out so much more than them mm. two, and it had fuck all to do with looks. Her yeah. personality is just it just it matches my level, so I get it. Yeah, I mean, so I know I'm hopping on about Inkmaster and it's got nothing to do Who with cares? Feeny, but um, the gist of the matter is it's along those kind of very... Um, yeah. Reality form- Formulaic, formulaed shows, you know, it's very much A, B, C, D, E, D, N. Um, <laughs> however, you do actually have people on the panel that know what they're talking about, unlike some... That is true, apart from um, Totopolis. Well, yeah. I mean, Patrick he's only there. That, that's nepotism, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, they weren't together originally, so I don't know about the nepotism part. However, he's a concept designer. He's not a makeup artist. No. So, I mean, he he should have had more to do. They should have... They should I, have broken it down. Yeah. From the concept art to the actual appliance. He, he shouldn't sh- have been involved in the appliance. He should have judged the concept art prior to it becoming the next step, which then... Um, I'm trying to think of his name. You know, you know, in the later seasons, she had the bald guy with the glasses. Gone yes. blank on his name. He he could have then done the um, talking about all the prosthetic work, and then V could have talked about the makeup side of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have and gone all the way through. Have, they could have done like a, a scoring point system kind of thing. They could have really broke it down and made the judging slightly different than what you've seen, where you've got E. God, what's his name, Hendrix. E, what's Hendrix uh, first name? Tim? Jim? Tim? Hendrix? No. He's a tattoo artist, man, Sam. Um, e, I can't think of what his name is, but you know who I'm talking about. think so. The yeah. main guy. Oh, Glenn Hetrick. Hetrick, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that would have hurt my brain. Glenn um, Hetrick is something. Glenn Hedrick might actually get brought up on the man behind the makeup at some point. Yeah. At some point. He's something. He is, um, yeah. Did he marry a contestant? Oh, probably. He he is responsible for a very, a a lot of things you see on the the TV and in movies. But I felt like he was always trying to be controversial, like Simon Cowell, for the yeah. sake of the ratings, and it wasn't needed. Towards um, the end, he wasn't like that. But it always felt like me at the beginning that V liked to point out that he rode her coattails quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, V. Um, and if people don't know, V Neil was responsible for makeup such as The Penguin and Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, to, to name but a few. Um, Patrick to top of the Yeah. 
was married to Mackenzie Westmore, who is the hostess of Face Off, who's also the daughter of Michael Westmore, who did all the makeup on Star Trek, and he is the the nephew of Bud Westmore. Is that I'm right there, aren't I? Yeah. So he is. They're from a dynasty. She chose presenting over makeup. I. I, I don't know I, if that was the right path for her because she wasn't really that great. I'll fucking see it. Um, <laughs> she needs LASIK eye surgery because every time you see her, she's doing this. Like she's reading yeah. the auto cue and she's either not not being honest and putting glasses on because there's no shame in glasses. I wear them, but she's like she always looks like she's really struggling to read the auto cue when you look at her. So if you go back and watch any episode, she's like this. I just used to love how meek she was about. And yeah, he's my dad. He's a Westmore too. Like, are we you, a man? Wouldn't, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your dad, let's be honest. Ex- exactly. Nepotism. Nepotism. Um but they've had guests like Rick Baker on it, and Tom yeah. has Tom has featured on it a couple of times on, on, on there. Um because the majority of every season you'll have about three or four people from his school that make the final cut. You are making me want to watch yes. So <laughs> yeah oh god that's, that's get me off this Grey's anatomy tree and give me something else <laughs> yeah see that's the problem i get really lost with things to watch lately and it's like i always go back to comfort stuff and, and until we'd started researching for this one or talking about this one i i genuinely completely forgot about face off yeah. to go back and watch it so yeah yeah it makes us want to go because it is do you know what the, the work if they are being genuine about their time frame the work that comes out of them is fucking unreal it's absolutely crazy and i always think how dare you how dare you criticize what is in front of you i mean look it's a fucking masterpiece and then you get v neil going you get v neil well the edges are then oh you're like yeah oh yeah actually i see where you're coming from there v you you honestly think you're like such a fucking professional by the end of an episode But like, um, yeah, Tom has featured on a couple of episodes and judged a couple of episodes, I think, but they're the ones that I think he's been on the episodes where people from his school. Yeah, I would imagine. I'm not too sure because I didn't know up until I saw their video that his school had been like his or his students had been involved in the show. Yeah. So, but it would make sense because it's almost like wanted to go to that school always i love the makeup is i love makeup i love anything to do with makeup no (laughs) even though today i have none on and that is because hair fever kicked my ass today and my eyes are so fucking sore um but i do i love makeup i love beauty makeup to special effects makeup i love the idea that something of powder and liquid can transform your face into something completely different i think it's so fucking fascinating um but these fingers don't allow anything technical to take place it's like the minute i get like let's take crochet for example i try to crochet (laughs) doesn't work the brain to hand thing isn't it yeah, they just don't work. So, and I love the idea of thinking I want to do something in makeup because of my absolute love for it. But I know these are going to let me down. 
see, I, I've I've been blessed, I suppose is the word, because I've never been an academic person. I've always been a hands-on, arty-farty, like to do rather than learn. That's oh, always well, yeah, I can and... I can sing, and I did music. Like I played an instrument for like seven years of my life. I've got graded in. I'm, I'm trying to like distract from the instrument part. Um, I've got I've got grades in music. Um, I can sing. I can act. <laughs> I've I've always been around like uh, my mum was uh, an artist growing my up. An, my dad's an artist. She um yeah she had a full time job well two or three full time jobs but she'd have a exhibition every now and again around the corner from our house and people would buy her paintings and so I was always around drawing like when I was little she used to draw things and then get us to colour them in and that's yeah. I've always been very much in that world so. I love painting, but I am a, a what you would call a copier. I can't make a character out of my brain and and whip out, you know, a brand new character. Oh, not you a chance. Give me a picture. I can I can copy that picture. Can't I can... even do that. My but... my dad my dad's an artist. Um, he's what he's never done anything serious with it. I mean, he used to draw my invitations. Like he used to do Alice on land invitation for us or whatever I was into at the time. Like draw my birthday invitations out in the pictures that he like pictures in the house were his. Um, he's only just started going back to it recently because he hadn't done it for so many years. Um, but when I was at school, and I was at school and doing art, he used to get so annoyed so quickly because of oh. how bad I was that he would end up taking over, <laughs> and I would end up handing in what he'd done. And in the end, when it would come down to choosing subjects, I didn't choose art because I'm no fucking artist. And my teacher was like, but look at all this beautiful work. And I'm like, I can't bring my dad into an exam with me. And she looked at us and went, excuse me. And I was like, yes, that's my dad's work, not mine. And just walked out. <laughs> my sister's Brilliant. not, she's not an artist, but she is, um, she is an art curator. Yeah, my mum was, uh, she went back to school in her early 30s and studied art. I don't know what accreditation it would have been in the late 80s, early 90s that she got a GCE, I think it would have been back then. Mm. Um, but she went back and she did art and she she worked, she did sculpting and all that sort of stuff and, and nudes and watercolour and oil and stuff. Um, and then not to be a copycat, I went back to school at 33. Um, I did art and illustration and design oh and um it was about a year i think a year and a half maybe longer than that um and it ended up being oh yeah illustration um and fashion and design it was all sorts of things like it was all that um but our final piece was all to do with concept designing of costumes and stuff right. so I I got the first distinction I'd ever had in my entire life <laughs> at the age of 33. Amazing. Um, I got my city and guilds in fashion, illustration, and design. And this is the most proud I've ever been of myself because I wasn't, I, I was a coaster at school. I coasted very much in the middle. Like my art teacher I came didn't. up and she said, what do you want for your GCSE? I said, anything overseas? She went, okie dokes. And I got a C, you know, it was like, I could have aimed higher, but I just was always very much didn't want to get on the radar of anybody. Because when I realised the course I was going to didn't need me to actually have a GCSE, I stopped giving a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, BTEX. <laughs> uh, you see, I had to have it because I went into A-level 
music, A level. Um, I did that my performing second year. arts. Yeah, I did I all did, that stuff. So I did it in the second year. So the first year was the B tech to get the qualifications of the C, the four C's and above to then move on to A level. And I did A. So I did dance, drama, music, B tech. Then I did A level drama, A level music. And um, even though because of my grade eight, I technically didn't have to do it because it's already higher than an A-level. So, <laughs> so I Crazy. wasted a whole year doing that, and then I dropped out of college. <laughs> but had I have stuck, like, with my A-level performing arts, we started to go into prosthetic design and makeup design. Right. Um, but we moved from London up to Peterborough, well, a bit further up, you, you, there, you're doing but... that like I would go London northeast, like. <laughs> well, that is, it's quite far. It's like it's closer than me. <laughs> hour and a half. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we moved we moved mid course, so I had to start over again when I got up here uh, and I went to college. So I had to do a was it an FTPA or a BTEC or something like that? It'd probably be a BTEC. That's the only one I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that I had to I, I had to ditch my A levels because they didn't offer those courses. So I only got a year in both of them. But I was gutted because prosthetic makeup was such a thing for me until they we got invited. The college got invited to take place uh, to take part in a road traffic awareness campaign at one of the schools so you think to yourself oh god what's this have I got to lay on the floor and cry you know you, you don't know what you're getting yourself into at that age you're like 18 at that point I was a year older than everybody because obviously I was coming into the the course a year older and um we had to they put chicken bones in us like and built up like our skin and did broken mm -hmm. arms covered us in fake blood and like the, and and that was the art department i was oh. on the wrong course i was on the wrong course I, yes I, i've never been a very outgoing person so for me to have been on performing arts was a bit of a joke really i should have been on the art course and to this day that's why i went back at 33 and did it so yeah i i, I really would love because i know stan winston runs an online school that you can join so it's always been something that I've toyed with the idea of doing, but time is not my friend. Time, no, so. no, it's not. It's like trying to fit another thing in on top of another thing that we're already doing on top of another thing. No, and then that other thing, and yeah, the, the, the and thing it that just needs, builds up yeah. and up and up. I couldn't believe if someone had told me at the age of forty that I couldn't fit in certain things in my life. I'd be like, and 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 actually have no children. I'd be like, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah it's crazy <laughs> it is um going to his films now i'm going to just go over the ones i don't these are the ones that he's listed as makeup but i don't know anything about them because again like i said it's hard to research them so there's day of the night or duh, 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 um deranged which right. I actually want to watch when I read the synopsis yeah. of it, loosely based on Ed Gein. So I was like, hmm, okay. But I have to read a little bit further to make sure it's not a cannibalism one. Um, and it's more to do with the psycho, the psychological part of it. Um, and then there's Martin. Yes. Now, Martin's the one he credits for being his yes. first, first proper... Proper film in from yeah. 1978. If you have not seen or heard of Martin, it is such a fascinating movie. I learned of it 
from Mark Geertes in his History of Horror documentary that he did. And it's Martin who believes that he is a vampire. But you don't really know if he is a vampire. It's possibly just psychosis. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets staked anyway. Yeah. And uh, Tom <laughs> also did stunts in that, didn't he? He wasn't just makeup. I think he did stunts in that one. Because there was oh, one scene with some potentially. sort of... Potentially. I'm sure I saw on one of the many, many YouTube videos I've watched this last week. Um about him he he did some one stunt because the stunt guy wouldn't do it or let it down or something so he had to pull the stunt out of the bag but he's not credited as doing it if he did then that'll explain one of my facts i know of dawn of the dead so that sounds about right um but martin is fascinating it's basic makeup it's a lot of blood it's because the the staking part is literally going it's it's smoke and mirrors which yeah. is what his book is called smoke and mirrors yeah. it is literally going in at the side with blood go- it, it's the like when i say basic of makeups it is the basics but this is the starting point of where his mind starts to oh i did it this way this time how could i elevate it yeah you can see like, talks- when- mm. it's all right it talks a lot about how that went wrong you know the staking yeah. Um. How the the squib exploded too vigorously and hit the. And seat. it went everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It went all the way up. That was yes. We must watch the same thing. It went yeah. all the way up the wall, and he was like, "That's not how a chest would explode." It's like because when when we were talking earlier about the Vietnam War, and he got his he got his he worked his way around anatomy because of the photographs he was taking. It is almost like it became like a Dexter the 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 blood splatter and everything yeah. like he understood it it's amazing that he could put something so horrific into practicality to make make him better it, i don't know how i don't know if i'm using the right words to say what um, i want to say i'd say so i mean it's like it was therapeutic to him i mean sort of teetering on that ptsd kind of mm-hmm. side of stuff um there's a, a bunch of stories in his book that basically the chapter's called I Died Five Times. He talks about that in... <laughs> yeah. He talked about that with Michael and Jess where he said, I've died nearly five times. I am here for a reason. Yeah. And that what his body does, I mean, in every instant that he's come close to dying, he blacks out. He doesn't, just as it's about to happen, he blacks out uh, and then he wakes up and he said, every time it's like my body just does this thing where it preserves itself. So I don't see the end coming and it just goes and I go. Go and have a look at the photograph of him on his 70th birthday. The man is fucking built. Yeah, he's huge. He's fucking huge. He is huge. He really looks after himself. (laughs) But he he was saying that... um, he had a car crash. He was in a well, he was in his car driving along um, and he fell asleep at the wheel. Jesus. And he woke up just as he was about to hit a pole. Uh, he managed to swerve, but the pole hit the back end of the car, shot the car doors open, threw all of his stuff out the car doors, and he just continued to spin down the road. It was like 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, and he blacked out. He didn't know it. He, he blacked out. 
when he came to, he had to run up and down the road, getting all of his stuff back into his car, and he duct taped the door back together so it wouldn't open again. <laughs> um, he said, I shook it off and I didn't fall asleep again after that, he said. and then No, I bet. <laughs> the other time was, in his younger years, he was an avid rock climber. So he used to go cliff, like cliff face rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he'd do it was he'd be attached, like they'd all be attached via, like, you know, the the crotch harness things where they wear the, the crotch harness and then they're yeah. connected to the person above them by carabiners and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he was on his line. He was in charge of banging in the uh, the pegs into the cliff. Right. And he didn't, he said, I wasn't sure if I didn't bang it in properly or it just cracked. He said, I don't remember, but I went to go up and I blacked out and I woke up and I was dangling above a bunch of spiky rocks and I had the two other people who hold it on for dear life, keeping my body weight up because I'd just gone. So, <laughs> again, survived. Survived. Um, so his other films I've got is The Prowler. Um, Which is having a resurgence. Yes, that's all I've heard. And The Burning. My first ever horror movie I ever saw. Really? Mm-hmm. It's wow. got the guy who, uh, if you watch short circuit you've got the actor who played Please the indian <laughs> the indian you know the the indian guy that's um oh vaguely it's been like you know decades since i've seen that i only found out i want to say about 10 years ago that he isn't indian he's actually american and i always thought he was really indian um Hank it was Azario. a case of like yeah um that was the guy that did the voice for apu wasn't it you yeah yeah no, this. Imagine I'm just making names up now. The guy that, the guy that was in uh, Short Circuit was actually in the Burning, um, and he got to kill him off in the Burning. Um, but yeah, that that was a shocker when I found out he wasn't Indian, and it was like that he'd been. I hate the term, but brownwashed. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of disappointed after that. I was like, oh, I don't really want to watch that film again. <laughs> I've been duped. Yeah, um, but yeah, The Burning is a very good, but it, it came out the same time. Uh, I think it was 82 that came out. So it was roughly around the same time as all the camp movies, like me watching Sleepaway Camp again the other day. And then you've got all the Friday the 13th yes, movies. It, isn't it absolutely amazing? Like the best. It's her face at the end. What is that, though? When she's it's demonic. It, it, it's It's... <laughs> Oh, do you know what? It's such a it's a question that always and I'm gonna ask the question when I because I'm going to a whole uh sleep away camp thing the day before I do a 24 hour live stream. <laughs> Why <not>? lady. <laughs> because I'm not mad enough. Um but is yeah, Felicia Rose, uh, Felisa Rose there. But or? yeah. No, no, I don't if she is, I will ship me pants because the woman <laughs> is just she's flawless to look at. Um but yeah, it's almost like it's demonic-y. Like, it's yeah. supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, you just don't fucking know and don't fucking I, ask. I want to know why she was put in that place. It's been so many, so many years now. Do you know what? I could do a whole episode on Sleepwear Camp just <laughs> the, <laughs> because of how amazing the movie is. The 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 brilliance of the ant. Love that woman. The um, creep, of, creep factor of the chef. Like, yeah, major, you know, 
inappropriate behavior the 40 um, year old girl that bullies her yeah that one as yeah. well i was like she's you know 40. The, she's the, clearly 40. the best kill scene of all time curl and iron no oh, i'm still i think it's left to the imagination where she put that curl in oh she put that <laughs> where you knew where you think it went <laughs> of course she did and she opened the tongs up <laughs> yeah Ah, but, yeah, uh, sleepaway camp, really good. But it leads us lovely into one of the greatest movies, in my opinion, ever made, even though I learned one fact today that I never knew, and I have seen this film hundreds, if not thousands of times, is Dawn of the Dead. I did not know Dario Agenda did the music. I've got the fucking poster right there. It says <laughs> on it, music done by Dario Agenda. And I did not know that until I watched the making of today yeah i was like what the fuck's he doing there because i, I had still to watch can't him believe... because you didn't speak english no i still can't believe i accidentally met him and i i still don't know why or how or he was i mean i knew he was at the convention but i just yeah. didn't i didn't know what he looked like i'd never seen him interviewed up until today i wouldn't i wouldn't have i wouldn't have known the only reason i knew it was him is because he didn't speak english and he came to the the stall he was having a walk around the convention and this was sheffield horicon years and years ago um and he was he was talking through a translator to us about all the stuff on the stall. And um, I just thought he would, I don't know, you get so many people from different walks of life come to these shows. It just, it didn't register. Mm-hmm. It just didn't register. And then because um, we always back on to the, um, where they do the talks, they have like a, like a, a curtain and yeah. all the talks are behind where my stand usually is. So it wasn't until I heard the translator talking. Um <laughs> On the big, on the big one mic. Of those, I was like, like, oh my God, moments. I can't believe so that. <laughs> stuck my head through the curtain and I'm looking and I went, fucking hell. I went, shit me. That, that's Dario Jetta. It's Dario Jetta. And, and I was like, wow, I, I blew that opportunity massively. You know, but you like, didn't though, because you have that memory of going, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it beats the one that Rob has. Did I, I think I might have said this one, but I'm not entirely sure. Mark Shepard Crowley from Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's come to the, this one. He's come to the stand quite a few times because he does um, Telford Wales mm-hmm. Comic Con quite a lot. And uh, I was off getting a photo with I think it was maybe with Nathan at the one right. just gone. And <laughs> he came up to Rob and he went, "Have you got any pops of me?" And Rob, being Rob, he's not watched Supernatural. He doesn't know. Uh, he's not even seen the X Files episode with him in it. And he went. <laughs> He went, I don't know, who are you? <laughs> and uh, he went, oh, you don't know who I am? He was like, no, I ain't got a fucking clue who you are. The love, and, Rob. <laughs> and and uh, obviously Mark Shepard found that highly amusing and he burst out laughing. And, oh, I'm and, pleased. <laughs> and he was just like, well, he's got a reputation for being a bit of an arsehole as well. So I just thought that, that he couldn't have met a nicer arsehole. So the pair of them must have a, like, a good time. He went, oh, I play Crowley in Supernatural. Rob went, don't know, mate, never seen it. <laughs> oh, I love Rob. <laughs> love that response so yeah <laughs> he, honestly he's done that on a few occasions like when i met um what a way to humble a person oh god when i met um let them meet rob <laughs> heath coogan from uh adventures in babysitting um that played brad when i met him i was because that f- film meant so much to me and i was like a little bit starstruck it doesn't happen mm-hmm. often but i did with him 
And uh, he turned around and he started talking to Rob. Rob went, I ain't got a clue who you are. Oh, mate, I was born in 1989. I've never seen your film. And I was just like, <laughs> his, <laughs> his granddad was um, Uncle Fester. You know, let's just be respectful to this man, please. Wow, Rob. But yeah, I love no. That, it, was, it doesn't mean to humble a person, just put them in front of Rob because he'll humble them. <laughs> right. He don't know who anyone is yet. He does. Like, I if you have to say to him, you know that film he was in, that one, oh, vaguely. So he does have a rough <laughs> idea. But... Well, Dawn of the Dead, yes. the makeup process. So I want to make this very clear. George Romero. Mm-hmm directed this movie tom savini makes it yeah and and when i mean make it i mean if george said that needs going there tom did it tom we need a stuntman because we've not hired a stunt team at all tom did it that's why i think george didn't didn't hire a stunt coordinator for this movie because he'd already done a stunt for him in Martin. That must have been where it came from. So Tom did everything. On top of, now if you've seen the movie, you've seen how many zombies are in there. He did every single one of their makeup along with, I mean, he had a team. Don't go wrong, he did have a team. there was only six of them, wasn't there? There There was, but it was only him and Tasso Mm -hmm. who did the actual makeup because they had a system and it was two to three hours and they were literally you know makeup makeup next makeup makeup next and this is where the the look of a zombie came from this is the first time i mean you got them in night of the living dead um but it's very much they're very much head down zombies arm out like gray color painted and their necks missing you know well this is where he got the idea for the for the the coloring. Yeah, and he didn't know what to do with the coloring of the face. And Night of the Living Dead is grey; it's black and grey. So he went with a black and grey look, and it didn't really work out that way because it showed up as blue, it showed up as green, it showed up as pink in some occasions. It had such weird te- weird colorings to it, but for some fucking reason, it actually worked. And you know what? I was watching the making of Dawn of the Dead today and every single one of them extras and they had like a head zombie, they had the nurse zombie, they had this, do you know what I mean? Everyone everyone had a role. Every person was made to feel not an extra, but you, you were a cast member. Yeah. It honestly sounded like such a lovely place to work for, like to be in because not one person had a bad experience, had a bad story. They were all treated as equal. They all ate at the same table. They all went out together. They all there was a um, funny stories of around the town of where they filmed that they they would just go off in their zombie makeup and stay in it all night, do their shopping, go out drinking, go to a restaurant, and they would be completely and utterly like blase about it. But this is where everything that he learned from Martin got put into here and then it actually evolves and I've been this is just my eye it evolves from here from Martin to Dawn of the Dead from Dawn of the Dead to Friday the 13th and you can see the techniques think of think of the the everything to do with the neck there's a lot of things to do with the neck Mm. especially when it comes to Friday the 13th it is completely and utterly perfected at that point he wanted to get, he, he was so adamant about the weapons that they used, 
Yeah. He had to he had to know each precision to where and it had to be the real weapon. It couldn't be something that was plastic, something that was rubber. It had to be the actual weapon. Then he would change it in scenes. In the cut he put the cutouts in the yeah. in the weapons so that he could gauge how it would sit on the throat to how he could create the cut mark on the throat yeah. or head or it I mean that's some fastidious and real like it's detail. OCD, it's so much detail yeah. massively, but that takes him into Friday the 13th which we're not going to cover a lot today because we have so much we want to cover on it but it goes massively into that because every single kill in there isn't something to do with the neck yeah. apart from one in the face it's everything's to do with the neck because it's almost like he's taken what he's learned from here it's like what he took from Martin he learned and put it into Dawn of the Dead yeah. Dawn of the Dead into Friday the 13th Um, what I found interesting was Ken Ford is, is the loveliest person I could listen to that man talk forever, but he got very upset when he was talking about the scene with the kids and he had to shoot yeah. the kids. What upset him was not him shooting kids, is that that's Tom's niece and nephew. And he said it was like shooting family. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. He got very upset. That's Tom's niece and nephew who played the two kids, the two zombie kids, and he's so gentle with them. Like these, like... <laughs> Let's be honest, you've got some raging zombie kids around. You're just going to boot them, aren't you? Like, yeah. just get them away. He literally, like, picked them up and gently put them onto the couch. Like, <laughs> if you watch that scene back, he is so careful with these kids because to him, they were glass. Yeah. And he didn't want to hurt them. He didn't want to, like, he didn't want to upset Tom. Um, but Tom talked in the making of it about the sleeping bag. He used to have a sleeping bag strapped to his back. And that's how, because he, when I say he did everything, I mean, he literally did everything in this movie. He is credited as stuntman, makeup artist, actor. Him and Tesso, the yeah. other guy who was with him. That's actually a real Hells Angels group, by the way. That's the Pagans. They're a real group. Yeah. It's only him and Tesso who were the two actors who end up getting killed. It's him and his makeup artist. Because he was, they were going, oh, well, we need someone to kind of like steer these people. Like, because they were really good at delivering lines, but we need someone to steer them. And Tom was like, well, I'll fucking do it. I'm acting, <laughs> I'm getting on there. And isn't he dragged Tassel into it. Isn't that when he went on to do The Night Riders? Not long mm -hmm. after that one. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because the bike in the Night Riders was the one that's parked outside of his house that yes. Jess and Mike see, and they're like, "Oh my god, that's an exact replica." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's exactly a replica of my bike I had in 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 Night Riders." That's right, but so. yeah, he was like, "No, I'm, I'll do it. I'm acting." But he, he was just like, "And Tassel will do it as well." Well, we're gonna act. Like, why not? Let's add another thing to this movie. But he used to walk around with a sleeping bag on his back, so anytime he got a chance, he just go to sleep. He slept there constantly. He didn't move. Well, he was quite lucky because when he'd um, when he finally left the the army, I think he did a he had to do a six months to a year back here before mm -hmm. he could officially get out. Um, and in doing so, he was given something called a GI Bill, I think it was called, which gave him uh, the ability to go to further education. Right. So he chose to go to what is now known as Carnegie Mellon, which right. is the most prestigious theatre school in the whole of America. Oh. So he says. Um, so he went to them 
with a portfolio of the stuff he'd done he'd he'd been acting in so many things until that point he was in like a, a theatre tro uh, troupe that was local and they did everything and anything he did the makeups he did uh, he, one thing he said about the makeups he used to do for the theatre shows was he'd do them mirror real he wouldn't do them stage accurate it was mirror <laughs> accurate he had to know they were right yeah um so it was one of the probably the best get ups for a theatre company <laughs> looking back having tom yeah and he went into carnegie mellon um and carnegie mellon accepted him on his gi free like free um bill but once i started to see his uh his portfolio work he got a teaching spot he also got a full scholarship for the rest of the time there Mm -hmm. he be he became they just invited him to become a teacher out of nowhere because they saw his portfolio. why not why not why the fuck not well yeah the um he perfected the blood pump on dawn of the dead to where he's not changed much of it since but yeah he perfected that there because then he moves on to friday the 13th where it gets used quite a bit <laughs> Yeah, he does go on. Uh, there is one video I watched where he was trying to, um, he was trying to show what it would look like if you got shot, uh, not just two squibs or three squibs going off mm -hmm. on the front of you. He he showed like the process he uses for the little squibs, which are the little tap plates with the yeah. blood pack on the front. He actually made a giant one and put it on the back of his then wife, which I want to say this might have been late eighties, early nineties. That's mm -hmm. what it looked like. And he put it on the back of his wife over. She had a white shirt on and he, he placed it on her back and he put a few squibs on the front. And um, he wanted to know what it would look like if it went off behind her up the wall, if it made the right splat pattern for what would happen if you got shot through, like completely wow. through. And uh, he set it off and she was covered. And I mean, it went off up the wall. He was really happy with it but it was dripping down her legs. It was all over the floor. It was up her back. It blew a hole in her shirt. <laughs> she was all right. She hadn't burnt herself, but like he, she was, he was like, are you okay? She was like, yeah, it just, just feels really strange. She said, everything's like tingly. Um, but yeah, it's how he used to test out all of his little animatronics and pyrotechnics and on whatever you want to call that. Just on, <laughs> well, he has been married. I think he's on his fourth wife now. So and she's a yeah, she's... but she was his uh father's carer, I think. This one, all oh, right, yeah. And he met her because his dad said, You've got to marry this girl, she's good, she's a good, she's a keeper. You're gonna have her, yeah. <laughs> so, shall we end it now? We can ready do. to go into Friday the 13th because I feel like I am gonna go on a full on tirade right. about all of that stuff if I don't be quiet. So all I've got on Friday the 13th so far, because it's, again, watching making of documentaries of Friday the 13th, you are watching the making of the movie. Yeah. Whereas Dawn of the Dead, it's so heavily focused on Tom because, again, Tom did everything. Um, that It is so heavily focused on what he does. This, not so much. This is about the actors and who they got and how they got them. And it wasn't, all I got was the kills on there. So it just gives us a bit more time to dig a bit, little bit deeper into Friday the 13th and go beyond that. Creep show. Creep That's show. Dawn. That's still dawn. 
Walking Dead because he did I think he's uncredited on um The Walking Dead but he did a lot with Greg for The Walking Dead um on the evolution of some of the zombies for that uh also there's a long list we can still go back and talk about like the burning we can still go back and talk about all the land of the dead day of the dead dawn of the dead every dead the dead 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 some more deads um just wanted to lay the land yeah of tom savini and i feel like i've done that oh we've done that <laughs> even though we've had an odd tangent it's just yeah I, I well what's not our podcast if we are not tangenting <laughs> i do i do honestly think that uh books to recommend so far um are if you are into special effects makeup but you haven't heard of it go get grand illusions one and two mm-hmm. um it's i've got it it's just there you can't really see it it's behind the photo of tom um because yes i have met tom surprise isn't it it's great oh. it's a surprise <laughs> um it was the only time i've ever been so starstruck i didn't understand words i couldn't form words i stood there and went uh, 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 and um and i've been so embarrassed in my entire life yeah <laughs> um <laughs> walked off after making weird monkey duck noises at him um so amazing amazing um, yeah and uh also his auto well i think it's a biography because i think he it's him and a ghostwriter that write the whole thing and it's just called savini also his uh autobiographical movie that came out smoke and mirrors that that, there's another one um that they did but it was 80s based and for the love of god it's escaped me it's something Uh, like the savini story or something yeah i saw it today it's actually in two parts i think it's a very expensive um, but yes. it has obviously some of the greatest images when it comes down to monster makeup in there because it's not just his work, it was um, others. So we will pick him back up in a week or so because next week, next week, we're going to, well, we're going, we're going to be joined. We're going to be, oh, I've got to It's going to be talk. cold. It's going to be it's very gonna, cold. Yes, thank you, Dan. It is it's going to be bloody freezing, just like what the UK is right now. Um, we're going down the Carpenter route. It's, gonna, and it's not yeah. knifey, stabby, stabby, stabby nope, man. It's no. no, it's the other one that everyone seems to enjoy. Thing. We're going to be doing the thing. And we will be joined that week by a very, very special guest. So you will have to look out for our posts to find out who said special guest is, because I'm not telling you tonight, it's a secret. And this person knows everything there is to know about it and will shoot um, you down. When shoot you, you see down. when you see, yeah, because he does to he, he has done to us twice now. <laughs> <laughs> in person. I got it through a message. Dan got it in person. <laughs> But he got the message across, though. He made sure that message was made. But no, um, you are. We heard it and we said, all right, you come on then. Yeah, come on. And I've got a feeling we are going to be put well and truly in our place. So you will have to tune in next week to watch that. Yep. We are, av- we are available on iTunes and Spotify or anywhere else that you find your podcast from. It's simply just searching uh, monsters up north. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> I have been to work for 10 hours today. I'm very tired. I apologise in advance. (laughs) 
it's yes. monsters at night monsters at night it really is isn't it imagine if we did this during the day fresh as a daisy we'd be like fucking on fire like yeah point after point after point <laughs> oh <laughs> it's never gonna fucking happen <laughs> But yeah. Day of the dead, Dan of the Day dead, of the dead. Oh, Sam of the dead, <laughs> Dan and Sam of the dead. Yeah. Oh, it really works. Our names do like kind of work when it comes to like rhyme and stuff. We can get away with it. Well, you can see us on YouTube at seven o'clock every Monday. Um, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, all of our details are down below, right there, right down there. Um, anything else that I need to cover? Anything else? I can't think. Can't think. Oh yeah, go and listen to our other episodes. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Go <laughs> yeah, listen. they're good. I, I, yeah. I say so myself. You know. Yeah, go and listen to our other episodes. I'm sure you'll get an absolute kick of reliving the great episode that was the Invisible Man, that was Bride of Frankenstein. Pennywise. Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Um, yeah. We, <laughs> honestly, I think we're on episode 14 as I speak. This yes. is episode 14. Um, and I think we've done quite we've done well to get this far. So yeah. we're going to keep going. So we've... sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my outro. Sorry about it. <laughs> sorry about it. But yes. Join us next week and thank you everyone for watching and remember, stay nerdy everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>